0: Mr. Okay, President, uh, today's daf, Yud Zayin. And we continue with the uh, procedure for the sota. So we have um, top of the daf, Mishnah. We had just discussed the whole issue about the uh, collecting of the dirt and putting it into the vessel and different questions about the uh, dirt, where, where's the dirt coming from, dirt being visible on the top of the vessel, on the top of the water, and so on. Um, so, she had remember, she had brought her mincha and now this is pretty much following the order of the psukim, um, she had brought her mincha and now we're um, getting ready to make her drink. But first we have to uh, scrape the uh, parchment into the water. So let's take a look, top of thezina Um Balo is. Okay, he, uh, she came to write the Megillah, the uh, the Kohen, the Kohen thank the you, history. yes, Um was a good question. Um, I think the goes the Katav, right? At Halotus, I think it's going on the Kohen, but it's an interesting question whether that's Ma'akev. Balo is the he came to the Starting from where does he write? So actually, thank you Michael for opening up. Let me actually read to you the psufim, okay, and here we go. Um, it says like this. Um, so um let's actually, we might as well. Here's a good point, anyway. Stop and talk about um uh the, the order of the mishnayot uh, and the order of the Psukim The zinato, so, right? the ivi yeah. so. Um, so our parak started with discussing the mincha, he about who government Okay, so that was bringing the mincha, but not yet offering it up because um, we didn't yet describe it in our mission yet either offering it up. Koen Hashem water so the dirt is in the water that's what we did in the previous Mishnah so here it says making her stand and undoing her disheveling her hair um, which we actually had mentioned much earlier in the process Um, and then it says the following the Kohen shall make her take an oath Um, if no man slept with you, you shall be cleansed from these bitter cursing waters. and you, and of course, here the funny word is "key" because "key" can mean "if," but it also has a little bit of a suggestion of "because." There's a presu- like again a little bit of that issue we've been talking about of, about that presumption of guilt. So while it starts with "if not." you know there's also the if here with a little bit of a heavier weighting on the if if a man slept with you if all that is true then so your, 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 your belly shall swallow up the coin writes these and he scrapes it into He scrapes it into the water, and then Vishka et and he makes her drink it. Okay, so he makes her visit, orally take an oath. Then he writes it down. Then he scrapes it. Now, here, interestingly, the Mishnah skipped over him orally making her take the oath. It jumps straight to the writing of the oath, which is interesting to note. So let's keep that in mind. So let's again see what the Mishnah says. He came to write the Megillah. So where does he write from? So it says if a man did not sleep with you. Um, the... Um, so again, that's where it says, the A man did not sleep from you; you should be cleansed from this water. And you, if a man did, if you did uh, stray from your husband, and a man slept with you, so he goes on and says that whole thing. Here, if, you, if you don't, you'll be cleansed. If you do, etc. The but he does not write the instructions in the pasuk. Meaning, he only writes what's in the quote marks in the pasuk, not in the instructions. And the he doesn't say right. You know, it's imagined in the pasukim. There are quote marks if you sl- if you did not sleep a man you will be cleansed and if you did sleep a man and, but if a man did sleep with you and then they're like end of a quote marks and then a high sin, and the Kohen shall make her take the Shorah to Allah and he shall say to the woman and then back to the quote marks so we're only going to do the stuff in the quote marks okay um, um, okay then that's the next word that's in the quote works right so if a man did sleep with you skip the instructions then the, Holy- he gives the whole quote without the instructions he has in the middle he doesn't write at the end where the woman responds amen because that's not the oath that's just her response that's a very logical position
1: what do you do with those people to say like all right the,
0: okay okay. hold off of that we'll get to that we, we can we address that later no, he would even include the instructions. Maybe that's m- reflecting Michael's concern. It's true, it's really not part of the oath. It's just, and the Kohen shall make her take. But maybe he's got a problem. You don't want to cut something out from the middle of a Pasuk. So you would just write straight. You, it's true, you would, you know, you might stop before the Isha shall say Amen, Amen. But you don't, you don't cut out a piece in the middle. Very. He does not write the beginning, if a man did not sleep with, with you, you will be clean. And if a man did sleep with you, he only writes, he doesn't write any of the conditions and he doesn't write any of the possibility that he's innocent, he only writes the one line, which is the curse line which is Right, point. right, so right. The he only writes, he doesn't, the first part is if you didn't sleep, you'll be innocent, and if you did so that's A, the possibility of innocent, B, the framing that this oath is conditional on the fact that you did commit adultery, he skips all of that, he just writes the oath He's the, the, the curse let you, you know, let your, you know, your, your, your belly shall swell, etc.
1: Okay.
0: Rashi does like an idiom. It means his whole point is only two, or like Rashi you should be very careful to do nothing but write only the only the phrase of the curse. Okay. The He agrees she does not write a main name. So again, within Reb Yehuda, we've been talking all along about how the Mishnayos have this presumption of guilt. They haven't even talked about the process as being one to clarify her innocence. The process is all one of to punish her for her guilt. That's been the presumption of the Mishnayos. And that's certainly reflected in Rebbe Yehuda, who does not even have that the oath that's being written has the possibility that she's innocent. It only focuses on the one curse line, like, at the end. What's missing also is, thank you, Michael, is that it does not have the oral part of him reciting it orally and her saying, a amen, amen it sort of just goes straight to the writing. Yes? Well, I just, I don't
1: know that that means that things have presumption of much as like, what is the bull in it? like... There might be all of that beforehand, the conditional, but like when we're talking about...
0: The water, the water only has... Right. Right. Then
1: you only write the curse in there you don't like write right, that,
0: right. That. that could be meaning the water is the cursed water what makes a curse is that line of the curse there, then there's right the curse. right so right there? Right. Yeah. right. Okay. Uh, but it also makes the, it also makes though, the function of the water if you still want to think that the power of the verse is being put into the water mm-hmm. then the, fu- the water itself is also conditional because if she's innocent right mm-hmm. then she's cleansed and the water in, and she's in, 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 in the so mm-hmm. to not have those words as it were in the water is I think yeah. a little problematic yeah which the are chose. Well, well, we're going to see. Now, the is going to say where the debate comes from in terms of how they read the psukim. So, we're going to take a look. Okay, but again, quite fascinating that it does not have the oral recitation, the oral taking of the oath. It just goes straight to having to drink the water. This
1: not focused about what you write. Yes. I reflect on um, the different attitudes towards this ordeal. In other words, the last right. opinion is the most magical. Mm-hmm. Right, and amazing. You're just putting the curse in the water. Uh-huh. When you write more of the conditionality, it makes it more rational, in a way. It's more legal. It's not just you're emphasizing is yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would say, because either way, I don't see how it's much more uh you know how 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 it's rational but I do see but I, I think it de emphasizes the presumption of guilt. It makes it more of a question about trying to mm. test whether she's innocent or not, rather than just to punish her for her guilt. But yeah there's all, it's clear yeah anyway, but I think we're saying close It'll to the same to thing. The same By the way, the next uh I don't think so. By the way, the next Mishnah or two Mishnah later on Yaset, Mara's Mishnah is Amahi Omerit Amename. Okay, so it gets to her saying Amain amen." but again it's interesting that our Mishnayot don't discuss her actually taking the oath. Just go straight to the actual writing of the curse. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. Benayi um, Kamiflagi, uh, what are they arguing about in terms of which part is written in the water? Where do they get their debate based on the verse? So, the high Krakomiflagi, the following verse. He shall write these curses um, in the scroll. But of Savar, Alot, the curses are alot mamash, the part that says that she's that to be cursed. Okay? Ha'alot, the extra he is expanding the things that are written. Rabos klolos habos machmas brachos. The curses that come, that are like by inference by the blessing. Well, there's not really a blessing, but it's hinakimim If you're innocent, you will, be, you, you, know, you will be cleansed. So that's an implicit curse. If you're not innocent, you won't be cleansed, you'll be punished. Because here's what, he says, here's what he says, meaning, what would our presumption have been? Would our presumption without submission have been that he writes the beginning of what he says? Right? If you're innocent, let you be cleansed, because the Torah says you shall write the curses. And being innocent is not a curse. Maybe that's somewhat of your point, Jenna. Right? So therefore, the uh, you have. To, how do you know to include the beginning of the oath, the conditional part of being innocent, since that's not a curse? And the Torah only says, write the curse. And scrape it, it into the water. Accurate all, accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. So therefore he says, okay, fine. The hay means even the stuff that's like the implicit okay. curse. The innocent is an implicit curse, because if you're if you're if you guilty I mean, be cleansed is implicit if you're innocent, be cleansed is an implicit curse, but if you're guilty you won't be cleansed. Okay, but the extra hay comes to include the first part of the statement, which is not itself a curse.
1: What do you think about the possibility of the word megillah and the Shon Chachamim
0: for safer, which is the son Nikra? No. That isn't true. Um wait a minute. Migilat is in the Tanakh, isn't it? It's not in the Tanakh. Or in, in, in Esther. Yeah, and it's also not in Yirmeyya when they write that uh, Migilat. Uh, yeah.
1: So it's an interesting switch here. Right, but
0: I think a sefer includes a much larger corpus. This is just a small scroll with a few, a few sentences. Right, they're calling it a
1: sefer, though. But right,
0: the Torah, says, safer. the Torah calls yeah, it a sefer. Yeah, right. I mean, the Torah calls it get a sefer. Um, but yes. Okay, anyway. I think like on parchment. Oh, that's an ex-mishnah. Okay, let's focus. Okay, so. Okay, so anyway, so the extra hay comes to include that the first part of the oath which is not itself a curse but it's the flip side of the curse now these curses is limiting don't just write any curses okay write curses so in the right there's a whole section there where it says about right where it says uh, you know what is it kitisa or something uh, not kitisa. Kitovo, where it's all about like uh, all the curses that will come to you and it uses the phrase obviously well that's what I is these curses. Exactly. That's exactly the point. Aren't you glad that it's shot? Okay. So it says, um, right, um, so there it says, right, So there it's even called an Allah. Right? So it even uses the label of Allah. Okay. The double these, the these, or whatever, the double limit. Only the curse part, not the instructional part to the Kohen, and not the woman's response of Amen Amen. So so that's a very nice explanation. Okay, Rebbiosi Yossi, with a cool Kadamis, I agree with the entire way you darshan the Pasuk, except I don't agree to uh, include the, uh, the uh, positive part at the beginning. That's not a curse. Okay, at Liravos, oh, no, I'm sorry, no, no, no. No, no, he did. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. He did include the positive part. What did Rabio oh Rabbiov said you didn't skip over the part in the middle. You didn't skip over the instruction in the middle. <laughs> et le, rabos, le et, <inaudible> et ele, le rabot savot the to include the instruction to the Kohen, oh, it looks like with would he he asked, he actually, right, et ha'alot ha'ela. So it looks like when Rebiosi says, lo Masik, Michael, you should be very happy, it doesn't only mean he didn't skip over the part in the middle, I actually, I think I missaid this when I read the Mishnah, it seems yeah, like yeah, it's right. saying he would even end the end of the pasuk, v'amrahi shah amain. Right. So he actually, exactly, Michael's concerned, he's yeah. like, you don't chop a pasuk in half. So he basically, he starts from the beginning, but he, I don't know, but the is saying his reason is f. Okay, so I completely agree with the way you've read it. Ha'alot it means even the positive part in the beginning, and Eila just means don't go any, don't do anything else. But what I don't agree is that you excluded the instructional part. I think the word s is coming to include the instructional part and include where the woman says a main a main. Okay. we have a problem with. It. Okay, it's
1: like if God telling you what to do, you know what I mean. But the, I understand. The, the, the,
0: the, 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 the so if Mayor, now Reb Mayor, what would Mayor say back? in lo He's not impressed with the S. That doesn't come to include anything. Okay, so they both agree you start with the positive part of the curse. And the question is, do you cut out the instruction and the woman saying, "Amen, Amen"? Okay. Rebbe Yehuda. Now, Rebbe Yehuda is the one that skips the entire beginning and just goes to the punchline at the end. So, Kulu B'niute Darshilahu. Every extra letter that you focused on a phrase... Some of them you use to include, some to exclude. He uses everything to exclude, everything to be very narrow. Alote, alot mamash. Alot is only the curse part. Okay? Ha'alot, which you said was including the positive stuff in the beginning. No, the he is excluding. For him, it's exactly the same. Only the curses, not the stuff in the beginning, which isn't a curse, which is a blessing, or at least it's a non-curse. Okay? A these and mute clausorah. Ha'ela includes even the instruction and the saying of amin. So he basically agrees with the first approach, that you cut out the instruction and the saying of Amen, but the ha'alot is coming to say not the blessing part at the beginning, or the whatever, the non-curse part at the beginning, only the curse part. Rebbe Meir, now Rebbe Meir, who, who includes the hinaki, the be cleansed at the beginning. Mashna ha'i the he of ha'alot, he says that's coming to include even more than just the curse part. The, you know, if you're innocent part. That's coming to exclude, right? The ha'ele excludes the instructional. So there's an extra you hey, inclusive no or go. exclusive? Including or excluding? So Gemara says, well, look, it depends on context. When it comes with a word that's including, alot, alot is coming to tell you the alot is what you do say. It's not coming to ex- limit, it's coming say you say you, you, you say the alot so an extra hey expands the alot so we he it expands not only the curses but even the implicit curses. the beginning of the statement hey digabe gabe de when it's the hey by a word that's limiting is the only these nothing else so the extra hey comes to reinforce the limit miyuta it's coming to reinforce the limit and it's coming to say not even the instructional part okay so basically what do we have we have based on you know different sort of pick up you know Whether you, how you eat a hay, how you eat an s either you're going to come, basically say you do the whole thing, you don't take, cut out any part of the pasuk, which as Michael might be saying, might reflect the general attitude of not chopping up sukim, or you might be saying you just cut out the instructional part, (laughs) because that's not actually in quote marks. Or you might just say, you know, um, and you use the word of like ha'ele to cut out the instructional part um, and only the actual curse itself. Or you might come to say, there's all the things, ha'alot, ha'ele is being very, very specific and it's only the curse part at the end. With all these cases, you know, it's sort of an issue we raised yesterday that you sort of start with your Con- your conclusion and work backwards to connect it to the pasuk or are you actually deriving it like is this really hermeneutic differences here is this really a difference that one person always darshan's S and the other person has different approaches to whether you see a hey in this context or that context see, or right, that is true I mean and so on but the question is like is this like did we start with a different hermeneutics or did we start with a different intuition in terms of what's going to be written right like one says like maybe like Michael said you can't interrupt the pasuk you know another approach is well it's only the curse the other approach is well maybe she's innocent maybe you have to have both components in there right so how much did you sort of start with an intuition about where you know about what makes sense and how much was it just a purely derived from a hermeneutics that they already had before they even approached the yeah, but let's
1: say you had a you called it intuition so you have a sense that there was that, um, it's stronger than just an intuition that, you, that you're not allowed to, to, to cut, to, to right. cut the puzzle right. and why would you need a hermeneutic
0: um, you're right maybe you wouldn't if you had that I mean unless you felt that the puzzle overrode it I mean sometimes uh, I took overrode certain things but you're right I I, sh- I shouldn't say by any of those it's an intuition you know by uh, you know maybe it's just a particular intuition is like a little n- not specific like maybe it's a particular philosophy yeah, about what benefit. you know about what's going on here what are the mechanics here yeah. so the, but the gemara sort of attributes it all to these hermeneutics okay so now the Gemara continues okay so the gemara says like this um lately <laughs> Rabbi Meir one minute Rabbi Meir normally does not say that from the negative you can infer the positive by the way Rabbi Meir wasn't mentioned in the Mishnah he's just assumed to be the Tanakama. okay now why is this relevant because Rebbe Mayer, if you remember, said that the way we included the line in the beginning, if you didn't, you should be innocent. Why is it included? That's not a curse. But it's an implicit curse. Because if you did, then you should be punished and found guilty. Okay. But that's saying, from the one statement, you can infer the inverse. If you're innocent... Here's well, which way you go. Okay, <laughs> if you're innocent, you should be cleansed. So that suggests if you're guilty, you shouldn't be cleansed. But that's not true. That's miqlal avat hashemehinum miqlal hinat And Rebbe Meir says you, you cannot infer the inverse from one sentence to the next. Now, where does he say this? He says this by making conditions about a tznai right? If you think about when Moshe says to bnei Gad and bnei Ruvain, you need a tznai kaful. It says, you know, it says, you know, what's the pasuk about? In yavu chalutzim achem bnei what is it? Israel, the The lo Yavru, right? and if you don't pass, you know, in front right. of them, then you shall not be, you, know, you, you, you shall not get here, you know, you shall not get a very etc. You shall be, et, and so on. So therefore, it was a double tonight. If you do this, you'll get it. If you don't do this, you won't get it. Why did you need this double tonight? So, do you, in general, by, by when you make conditions, need it to be double. So Rabbi Meir basically says, yes, you generally need conditions to be double because you don't say Michalavatay Shemayehin. Now, actually, for any of those who took prepositions logic in college, you will know that this is actually correct. That if you say, if P, then Q, does not mean, if not P, then not Q, right? If it rains, we won't play ball, doesn't mean if it doesn't rain, we will play ball. It just means that if it rains, we won't play ball. (laughs) If it doesn't rain, we might, we might not. Who knows, right? All all, if P, then Q means is that if not Q, then not P. If it rains, we don't play ball, means if we did play ball, it must be that it didn't rain, okay? So if you are innocent, if you have not committed adultery, you shall be innocent, Maybe if you did commit adultery, you'll also be cleansed. But <laughs> who knows what happens if you did commit adultery. But if you didn't commit adultery, then for sure you'll be cleansed. <laughs> okay. That's so
1: given everything else the uh, saying about I it.
0: understand. But that's his general principle that you cannot infer. You know, if P, then Q, you cannot assume. If not P, then not Q. Okay? So, the question is whether when... Re- does Rabbi really say that all the time? as like a way of parsing normal people's statements? Or does he just say that like in cases of like tna'im and Conditions and you know a formal requirement when you're making stipulations about whether something takes effect or not you have to be 100% crystal clear and spell out both sides of it okay so the Gemara here seems to feel that it's a general principle at Rebbe Mayer it's not limited to Tanaim because here Rebbe Mayer is saying that if you are doing the you know if you did not commit adultery you'll be innocent is an implicit curse it implicitly is cursed that if you did commit adultery you'll be punished but Rebbe Mayer doesn't believe that that's implicit in the statement okay he does not so it seems like it's not just a question about the formal requirement of Tanaim. Maybe here it is also It's nigh. I know it's a Tsnai. So maybe it is. I understand. Maybe it is. maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's also, but again, here's the only question is. Is it included in the concept of this is also an impl- a curse because it says ha'alot. So is this statement an implicit curse? When it says, if you didn't do it, you'll be innocent. And the Gemara says, how could Rabbi Meir say it's an implicit curse? Rabbi Meir says, you don't say, m'chalavatar shameyahein. So let's take a look what the Gemara says. say, Rabbi Meir, it's an implicit curse, right? If you say, m'chalavatar shameyahein. say, Rabbi Meir, So how could you call this an implicit curse? So, I'm a he it says be cleansed what does that mean? so Rashi says it's a little play on word which is mm-hmm. you should be strangulated okay so the Pasek says mm-hmm. but you could just take, cut off the Im of the Pasek and write if you impurified yourself under your husband, you should be strangled. Okay. So anyway, that makes it a little less implicit, and that's how come it's included under the rubric of a curse because it has that double entendre going on there. Okay. say that at all. I understand. Okay. Zaris Rebbe Akiva. Rebbe Akiva made the following drasha. And now, ish isha, man and woman, zachu if they merit Shina nehem. The divine name is between them, the yud and the hey. Right. I'm sure nobody has ever heard destruction before. Okay? Lose <laughs> the <laughs> if they do not merit... So and the God's presence is not between them it's an that a fire will consume them okay so and by the way an interesting Rashi if you look at Rashi Zohu if, if you look at Rashi three lines right you take at the end of the day you'll have to say look at the Rashi three lines before it gets wide Zohu to go on the straight path he should not be an adulterer and she not an adulteress now again it's interesting because we're reintroducing the man as a possible as the possible adulterer and one who cheats on his wife and also in this context right it's an interesting question which you know Hologically again, a man only commits adultery, not when he sleeps with another woman who's not his wife, but when he sleeps with a married, married. woman. But there is definitely places where the, Gemara, where, where the Gemara seems to, Rashi, other places, seems to, like, ignore the technical legal definition and talk about it in real-world terms. You know, adultery is sleeping with another woman who's not your wife. And that seems to be the point here, right? What, it's only lozachal because he sleeps with a married woman? That's what he's saying? That he's no, it sounds like if he keeps on his wife, right? If he keeps on him or he keeps on her. So, again, there's something that we're, we're, we're not only sort of equating it and talking about the possibility of him you know also sexual sin but actually I think the implicit sense is even bracketing the imbalance from the legal definition you know whether he's cheating or she's cheating either way that's obviously tearing apart the marriage and then Esho is yes that a modern uh,
1: reading of the, of the situation did they think that
0: way um, about that, that he if he cheats on her
1: if it's not legally
0: yeah so I I, I I have some, some cases where that does seem to be reflected. I mean, um, but I think you see it more. I don't know how explicit it's in the Gemara. I see it sometimes more through the commentary of Rashi or and they're coming from an Ashkenazi uh, monogamist society. So it's an interesting question like, how much can you find black and white evidence in Chazal about that? But, you know, I don't think it's such a far read from this point, right? So it so does sound like, you know, certainly the way Rashi reading it. Is if one of them keeps on the other is, I think, Harashi is reading it. Yes.
1: You know, it's Yeah. So it's a play on Nashi and Yat and Zah. Right. right. Okay. But Rabbi Akiva should have said if, if he's not Naki then water will inundate. In other words, this he, isn't...
0: He's not going on... I don't think he's going on the Pasuk. Is, oh, he's not? I don't know. I don't think he's going on exactly... In other words, it's a drusha that must have been... Ridiculous. Yeah, I think it, I think it's in the context of talking about Sota but I think it's like... I don't think it's specifically it's kind of about... Silly, but
1: like water has been... The, we brought that up... On well,
0: interesting point. point, Maybe the water is coming to put out the potential fire that's clear for... No, but I should work on very well. You know? And if you actually think about it, because here's the thing that I was thinking about, and maybe it ties into what you are. The be <laughs> Nahem, no, no, the be Nahem, right, it's also. <laughs> well, well, okay, that's true, yeah. too. That has happened with but I wasn't thinking about that, so we, we have a lot of good dresses here. But what I was thinking about was that, you know, it's all about God's name here, right? Erasing God's name, and because they didn't stop it sooner, God's name is going to be erased. We're about to put God's name down on the parchment, and they're coming to the base of Mikdash where God's presence is. So somehow the presence of God's name can, you know, can, can resolve this problem, right? If they got so far that God wasn't sort of in their marriage yet, as it were, enough, that the problem wasn't resolved ahead of time, they have to come here and try to bring God more directly in it to get God absorbent. to get God to like you know calm everything down. like, So they're in the basement, they're dealing with God's name, et cetera, You know, and maybe you're right. Like maybe if it turns into a water and the water douses the fire because she's innocent, then God's name is basically putting out the fire. That's where that's where I would sort of see that. Here it's about so. And if God's name goes away and ultimately it's God's name got erased, you know, whatever, you know, and but consumed. But I think that here the problem is that. It's all about trying to bring God to resolve something because God hasn't been enough part of the equation to begin with. So that's sort of. But maybe you're right. Maybe the point is that the water. Of course, the funny thing is that if she's guilty, it doesn't. She doesn't get consumed by fire. She gets consumed by water. She's guilty. But the water could also douse the fire. Okay. So um, all right. So um um Amarabba the Isha Adifa Midi. The woman's fire is greater than the man's. Radi why? Yes. Hi well let's first read it. Hi mitzare because the Aleph, shin of the woman, the Aish is already right there, the letters are already together. The high romance, the good God's name is already, is between the Aleph and the shin of the man. So what does that mean? Does that mean that a woman Mm -hmm. is, does that mean a woman is meaning, after we've done this nice little statement of parody, are we saying that the woman is though more likely to sin, because she's got, you know, the Yetzir Hara stronger, the Aish is stronger, God's that letter doesn't, you know, create as much, you know, natural equilibrium. Is that what we're saying? Or we're saying that if they sin, like somehow, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, more of, I don't know, more, more, you know, uh, anger or more of, uh, you know, enmity comes up around the woman. I and mean, he says, each so, does it mean that she's more likely to sin? Does it mean that when she sins, somehow punishment will be swifter? It'll have a bigger impact in the marriage? Remember when the Gemara says, when the woman sins, it undermines more the household because she's off uh, being with her right, adulterer and she's not, she's, not, she's not raising the kids. No, but that's what the Gemara said before. She's not raising the kids or making dinner. So, <laughs> so, it more directly hurts the household. So, I don't know. Meaning, I would be inclined to think, just because of Gemara's general bias, you know, towards, uh, towards men as more spiritual sort of beings, as it were that you know one way to read this not necessarily a way that works with our sensibilities but one way to read this is is that the man who is more religiously oriented you know and so on so, he's able to control his, you know, to keep his fire more calm, you know, so God's name is more in the middle and calm, you know, separates the uh, powerful forces, where the woman, like, you know, maybe is not so much, and the powerful forces are more, have to be, more work needs to be, to keep them under control, but maybe not, you know, maybe there's different ways of reading it, you know.
1: I'm think, of you did tomorrow? we we'll see what we
0: Yeah, well, that's true. Anyway, all right, so, let's keep on going. It says like this, um... Okay. Uh, okay. Amar Ravah. Mimam Amar Torah. Have a offer with Sotah. Why does it say bring ashes for the Sota? So Zochsa. Yotze Mimena Ben Kavram Havinu. If he merits, he'll have a you, son like... Do you read this? Haimitar? Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, so he'll have a child like Avraham. Dichsiv be Afar Okay, so that's V'nikstah so Vin Israel Zarah. He'll have a meritorious child. Lo Zochsa Tachsir Afara. Go back to the dust. All right. Dosh um, now we're doing the offer and Efer. Afer para the ashes of Soto, both of which we mentioned before. Okay, so the says, How about that? That's also mitzvah with dust. There it's just doing a mitzvah, but there's no benefit. Here there's benefits. The ashes of duma let you become tahor, and the dirt of the sotah uh, resolves, uh, you know, fighting between a husband and wife. So there it's not just a mitzvah, but it's actually a mitzvah that has very concrete benefits. Okay, we're behind. Because Avram said, if from a String to a shoelace, you know, I will take from any of the booty of Sodom, you know, I won't take anything, you know, I just want, uh, you know... Um um, whatever, you know, just just give me back what the, what, what my uh, servants ate and so on. So because he refused expenses, so right. exactly. So because he refused the booty, of meets They got the string of treles in the chetzit. and the strap, like a shoe strap. besides if you think it's at a sandal strap, it's out of leather. That's why a shoe strap is leather, right? For tfilin. So what let's see what the Gemara says so again we're not just talking about a mitzvah but a mitzvah that there's some concrete this worldly benefit to so tzvillin, there's this worldly benefit because people see God's name is called on you via umi they're fearful of you and God's name called on you is the wearing of the tillin so that's a very concrete benefit um in what way is wearing doing the mitzvah titzis and chelas so what way does that give you some concrete this worldly benefit to what makes the special from all the other colors because the treles is similar to the color of the ocean and the ocean is similar to the color of the sky and the sky is similar to the heavenly throne they saw the God of Israel and under his legs were like the uh, like a sapphire uh, construction like the essence of the sky in purity, so the actual uh, color of the sky is similar to the color of the divine throne The and the it also says that the sapphire is like the divine throne, so therefore it inspires you, it connects you to God it gives you a glimpse of a vision of God, so it's not, so it's a type of a benefit you get other than just the idea oh I get a mitzvah, there's something in which it actually does something to improve your life Okay, so all these types of things. I mean, some of the way of improving your life is in you know, a halachic world, like it makes you tahor. Okay, some of it, you know, it makes, these are like, none of these are, they make you wealthy. It makes you tahor, it resolves a fight between husband and wife. It makes people see that you're connected to God via Umi It makes you more connected to God. But these are very like concrete things that it does for you. Um, and uh, anyway, that's the merit. Now, is there some more deeper connection to Avraham? You know, um, I don't know. Like, like, uh, um, you know, I mean, somebody could uh, sort of suggest... I don't know if that's being suggested here at all, but offer of the Aesir is, uh, you know, about this sense of being very humble. And very often sometimes, you know, fights come about and people also meaning see, not only why the fights come about for many reasons but often people don't, aren't able to move towards reconciliation because they're standing on their pride and nobody ever actually actually wants to like you know give in or admit that they were wrong or you know move forward so I think you could definitely see the type of the sense of offer and the offer Sota you know somehow some sense of like you know that somehow maybe sometimes it might be the being a little bit more humble and not standing on your pride that could allow for a resolution of course that's not what happened here here actually <laughs> he was she was denying some miraculous thing that creates the resolution. So I don't know if that type of a drasha works. You know, I mean, by the, and by the what do you call it? By the case of in mikhusat right? Avram basically says you shouldn't say that you made me rich. Like God, you know, was, I want to be known that like I was through God. And the connection here is basically a way of acknowledging your connection to God. Right? The tefillin makes people see you're connected to God. The trellis makes you think about God. So there's like a better connection with this than with the other at least than I'm able to do with the offer and the A-fair yes
1: if, if,
0: if we have to be thinking of like also bit of
1: right if we're talking mm-hmm. about women doing things oh things.
0: yeah yeah I not like I, I don't have it thought out yet but I wonder if there's some. oh that's interesting of, you know, reverse brother, like, this oh interesting oh well actually certainly is true because the curse in is about having children with pain and childbirth and so on and here the, the blessing is right Phoenix sovereign Razara and Rashi actually quotes on that Pasek the Midrash which says that it doesn't just mean that she conceives but that she's able to conceive and to give birth without pain so that's actually it never occurred to me that that's actually like a reverse of the curse of Chava right. so you're right now that also is not per se sexual sin although Chazal read that as a type of a sexual sin they read the, the Nachash as a seducer and so on right. so and, you know
1: there's also an aspect of like the fact that we're putting dust in the water and like this is like a, the epitome of like what women like did to men I don't know early do you know what I mean no
0: how's ha- that dust in the water
1: because like, isn't Adam's curse at,
0: at oh, oh, you mean bizeis oh, afecha? Uh, oh, like kiyafara tavel afar tashuv, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Although, yeah, I don't think directly about, it, but there is the whole thing. It is interesting. It is worth pointing out that prior to the parsha of, it is worth pointing out that prior to the parsha of Sota, you already have the phenomenon of dust in water as a test by uh, by by uh, by my uh, uh Moshe grinds up the ego and he makes them drink it.
1: Parallel, right? Right. Right. Right.
0: But what that also shows you is right, exactly. Because right, because right, right, cause, right. Because. Right, Adultery, is the Torah already describes, right, about the Zanu Aret. God is described as an El Kanah, the husband who thinks his wife has committed adultery, ruach Kina, and so on. But the fascinating thing there is that that story, that Parsha, occurs way before the mitzvah of sota, which shows that that idea that, you know, somehow, you know, some type of a water, grinding up something in the water and drinking it as a test for fidelity, right, is something that. Precedes the Torah's mitzvah of the Sotah, was already there prior to that. Um,
1: okay. Do shows also reflect that theological debate of a mitzvot and no smithnu?
0: Um, possibly, although I see that more as a halachic discussion, but yes. Um, here it definitely does want a mitzvah that you're getting some hanaf from, that yes, is correct. You do, you do okay. How you get the. I mean, yeah, but you weren't here for that. We're moving on. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, so now we get to the question of what constitutes safer. Um, you do not write on, the, on a luach, on like a tablet, okay? Raji says a wooden tablet. Um, or on paper. Paper is basically made out of like a type of a fiber, out of like tree, out of tree papyrus, etc. Raji says, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, grass or whatever, but I assume he means a type of a papyrus. Anyway, some type of a fibrous material. That's not... Good. Mm-hmm. We're all a diphtera. Diphtera is untreated cloth or not fully treated cloth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ella al-amigila, but on a classic parchment, it's actually interesting. It should have said normally the contrast gets back to your point of Megillah, to distara is cloth. Cloth mm-hmm. basically means, you know, parchment. Mm-hmm. The classically treated parchment that you would use to write a Megillah, say for Torah, Tefillin, to and so on. So it is interesting here that it compressed. Bistarat of Migila. Migila is more like the, the, uh, constr- the constructed book, not just the, the piece of parchment. But you're not constructing a book here, it's just a single piece of parchment. Shanemar, bassefer. Okay? And somehow that means only that. The eno, kosei, lobemak, lobemak, You cannot write, the ink cannot be something called kumus, which Rashi says is some type of a, um, of a, what do you call it, of, of a tree sap. Three okay, three gum below which uh, also I don't know how they translate that. So
1: yeah,
0: that helps. Oh, there you go. Yeah. This is also some type of an ink. The robe called Chevrolet, nothing which leaves a mark, which means what? It means indelible. indelible. Indelible mark, which means when you write on the parchment, does it get absorbed into the parchment? So even if you were to scrape it off, you would be left with the mark? Or is it basically a type essentially of a paint that sits on the surface of the parchment that doesn't get absorbed so you can scrape it off and nothing is left behind which is what our cifetara written on which is how you can, make a, how you can fix it because you can scrape it off right okay it has to be our ink which basically sits on the top but doesn't get absorbed into the parchment you have to erase scrape off it has to be able to be erasable which presumably means like of course if you couldn't erase it at all then you wouldn't be able to do the pasuk but presumably even if there was something you could scrape off it has to be fully erasable it can't leave anything behind the whole words have to flow into as it were <laughs> you know into the water okay so um, now there's a lot of big in here not a lot of gemara so we'll get through the Dr. and I'll tell you a little bit about what the seems say Amaravah if you wrote it at night, it's in Dali. So it right My time, know. what? Doesn't sound like you have to do it on a spot. Yeah, hmm. but, but yes, but we'll, we'll get to that, okay? We're, we're, we're going to make a lot of things. We'll get to, we'll, we'll get to that. My <laughs> time, you should do this entire instruction or teaching. Based on the Torah that they teach you, this is by the Betin Hagadol when they're being challenged by the Zakin Mamre, you shall follow the instruction that they teach. Issue. the same way judgment takes place in the day even the Megillah Sota takes place during the day, judgment does not take place at night I'm going to read a little bit more and then I want to, so to tell you a little bit what Tosa says about each one of these Let's say you wrote it backwards, which means maybe the words appeared on the megillah in order, but you started at the end and you wrote backwards. Okay, so you wrote you had your whole megillah, and you were sort of at the bottom of the line you wrote the last word, then the second to last word, you know. So maybe in the end they, it reads correctly, but the order that you wrote it was you wrote it backwards. We, we okay,
1: just you have enough space. Oh,
0: maybe. So
1: we'll do that. We'll Write the last word at the end.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. um Deceive the katav etalota e so write these kije dexiva write them the way they're written, write them in order kava ko a. Let's say now. Here is the part that skipped our Mishnah. The Torah says he, ma- he makes her swear. She says, and then he writes it down. Our Mishnah completely skipped over him making her swear, and now this tells you that actually, if you did what the Mishnah said, essentially, if you wrote it before she swore, it's invalid. It has to follow the order of the pasuk. First, she has to take the oath, and then you write it down. <laughs> It has to be written after Sava Igeret Psurah. If you wrote it as a letter, it's invalid. Now, what does a letter mean? So, Rashi says it means without sirtut. Sirtut is the scoring. I don't know if you ever look closely at a face of Torah. You see that there are these, like, sort of, you know, sort of, like, uh, indented lines. Yeah, They're okay. scores, right. And they actually go, uh, we usually write our words on top of the lines. Actually, it goes, on, uh, actually, we actually write, in the scoring, the words go below the line. And um, and it hangs the lines, right. The, exactly. Anyway, if you wrote it without the scoring, that's how Rashi reads, as a letter, it's invalid but it has to be like a normal sefer and Rashi says it means like sefer kodesh or whatever which are written with scoring. ok we'll need a little bit more on yud and Aleph and then talk a little bit about what the Tosa says if it's written on two separate pieces of parchment you know you didn't have a big enough piece of parchment you said continue it on side two or whatever you know see page two then it's invalid oh, no I, I don't think so no because no because only one side works as a parchment Sefer only one book okay Katsva Osachat Umachak osachas. The Katsva Osachat Umachak osachas. Surah. you write one word you scrape it off you write the next word you scrape it off so you're writing it in order <laughs> but you never have the whole thing present at one time a really small piece of part oh that's a good maybe that's why okay that's invalid Deceive HaTorah Hazot somehow it has to be the whole Torah the whole thing at once and then scraped off now what are all these now uh, that was pretty easy what are all these Big in the about okay so um, so the one toast about i 've got to tell you Lola Luach tells us discusses um, you know that in other places. We actually say that other forms of books are, of uh, writing surfaces are okay. Think about a get. The get says the kasav writes sefer kritut and we said a minute ago yesterday you could write it on any type of a surface. How come here we read ba sefer? So Tosos tries to figure that out. One distinction Tosos points out to is the word ba sefer, in a book means that we're focusing on the physical object of the book and that has to be a, considered a classic book. So when by the get it says it says um, what is it the kasav uh, the cost of law. Sefer Kritut so it doesn't say Ba Sefer but a Sefer Kritut and therefore one of the classic out of the rabbis is Sefer ba Alma so meaning the word Sefer there almost means like a story of divorce as opposed to a in a book okay well even if you say a book of divorce it more relates to what's being told about and not the physical object the same way Ba Sefer okay you
1: uh, can't write a so Karen part like a
0: okay there are very small limitations because it has to be like or whatever, okay. but you basically don't have the limit of the, the emphasis of like of the parchment, materials. because it's the one distinction is the word bet. Now how about the next thing about, um, uh, one minute, um, hold on, let me just take a look. Um, Oh, so in the Ushami, by the way, it has another interesting question about whether you can write on parchment from non-kosher animals, okay? And one of the reasons you can't write on parchment for non-kosher animals is because that, let's say, the woman changes her mind and you're not going to erase the name. Do you want to leave God's name on a piece of parchment from a non-kosher animal? That's somehow seen as unseemly. Okay, but that's one question. Another interesting question the Ushami asks is, before you erase God's name, does this piece of parchment have... Kedushat sefer on it and one of the halachic is if you touch it does it cause impurity of the hands that's a classic way of testing if somebody has a type of Kedushat sefer, right you have to you would, I don't know you have to put it in Geniza what would you do with it if the woman said no okay so that's like another question that the Yushami has it says maybe it doesn't have Kedushat sefer because if it's written for the purpose of being erased it doesn't have that same like you know status um, so, anyway, that's one area of question, okay, um, now, um, the other issue, interestingly, about mishpat, that it has to be bayom, um, if you take a look at Tosvos, um, it is one, two, four lines down, because the question is, what's bayom? Dine shows capital crimes, are always bayom, okay, Dine momenus, begin at the day, but end at night, so, let's say, for a sota, what they type end
1: of, at night Or they no, end. I'm
0: sorry, they're allowed to end at night, so by a sota, if we're only learning out that it's written in the day, because it's Says, Mishpat what if you I don't know started writing it in the day and ended writing it at night would it be like Dinei Mamanis or dina nefashos? so anyway Tosa says four lines down in the wide lines near the end like directly over the words Dichfiv he says any aspect of Sota whether the beginning or the end of the process is invalid right Dinei so Lok Dinei Mamanis so I think again the fact that Sota is Dinei Nifashot goes back to a theme we've been talking about, right? Do so you see this as a you know, you, in a way you are adjudicating right her whether she's of Misa or not, because if she's found guilty in the water, does it she's actually going to uh attack the Psukim that she'll die, but Chazal understand that she'll die. Right? So again, framing it as a Dinei Nifashot I thought was very interesting in terms of the themes that we've been dealing with with. Um okay. Now another interesting point about TOSIS is um one minute. Um yes, one minute. About this issue about well, mm-hmm about this idea that if you go out of order, because if, if, if he makes her, if he writes it before making her take the oath, that everything has to be exactly in the order.
1: Um... Is the Charlie here or the Kruzpa? Yes,
0: yeah, so the Tosa says... Um... One minute. So Tosas has a question why some places like it doesn't emphasize the order if the order is ma'akev. And if you take a look, the line starts with the word veneer de l'okhashev. It's like four lines before the Tosos Savasta uh, uh, begins, or maybe three lines. The line the beginning of the line is veneer ed. Do people see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. So, so it says <speaking in Hebrew> veneer de l'okhoshiv elhecha de shinuin Al I will say the sota ain't a al-Haseder. As I wanted to point this out to you again, a point we've seen before. The order of sota mentioned in the Mishnayot is not necessarily the exact order that it has to be done. Yes, Sota has to be done in the precise order. But the precise order of the Psukim, iron, uh, somewhat ironically, not the precise order of the Mishnayot. parsha to pirashim, Perik. right? Just consider it. Our mission spoke about writing it before it spoke about having to take the oath. And we just said explicitly that if you wrote it before the oath, it's invalid. Okay? Veseder parsha ikar a few okay so it's very bizarre the order of the Mishnah is not is is not precise and it's actually the wrong order. And according to what we just read, if you follow the order of the Mishnah and you wrote the Megillah before having her take the oath, the Megillah would be invalid. Okay? that the
1: order of the Mishnah is not determined by what we would say is the halakhic requirements? No, not
0: determined. He's just saying... Right, he's just the saying...
1: other principle that... Yeah,
0: exactly. The order of the Mishnah reflects maybe certain literary, literary or other concerns, but it is not principles. to be read halakhically. Exactly. And I mean, the big evidence is that the Mishnah didn't mention taking the oath and we just said that if you wrote it before taking the oath it's invalid now this last Tosos this huge one okay which is is about when do you need seertut or not right if the idea is that you can't write it without the scoring Tosos has a problem like why did you need a pasuk to tell you that there's another gemara in the beginning of Mgittin that basically says it's forbidden to write even three words from a pasuk without scoring um, you know without the the lines even if you're not writing it as a safer you're just writing somebody a letter so of course you need Scoring. So, this says, yes, but let's does the fact that you're supposed to do it wouldn't have invalidated the Megillah? Let's say you had written it without the scoring. So, we would have given you a slap because you were supposed to write it with scoring. Great. But does that mean the Megillah is invalid? Right? The Megillah Sota? No, that you need a special pasuk to tell you, even as an object of a Megillah, absent the scoring, it's not good. So, even if there's a general requirement to do it, it didn't, wouldn't have meant that the object is necessarily invalid. And then Tilsas goes and tries to figure out when do you need scoring when you don't because the Khmer makes it sound like you don't need it by Tzillin but he's very bothered if there's an idea that any Pusuk you write needs scoring how can we do it in fillin' without he develops an idea of two types of scoring one is the frame around the whole section which he says that would be suffice for this requirement of not writing any even three words of a Pusuk without it and then there's the scoring of each line and that's not required by fill-in, but it is required by Mizuzah and so on so anyway he's a long discussion about what type of scoring is necessary I'll end by just reading you one very interesting little line at the very end of Tosis, and he says the following. He says um, he says like this, he says Matzasi betosos rabbeinu Yud Bet I don't know who that is Yitzchak Ben Avram maybe uh, It's like three lines before the Tosos Ksava like six lines from the bottom near the beginning of the line people see this Matzati seven lines from the end Yeah, Matzati betosos rabbeinu I don't know I'll say Yitzchak Ben Avram Then Seches Gitten Shamatim Rebiliyahu Atzerfat Yishai Omer Maashanu Kostim Bechstavim below Sirtut we write in like in our uh, in our you know correspondence we quote psukim. you know Divei Shalom Ve'emer Let's say you write at the top of a, of, of a letter as a way, you know, you just write it as a nice flowery language, but you're quoting a part of a pasuk. You don't have to worry that you're not writing it with scoring. We're not writing it as a pasuk. Like to open in a nice poetic way. We're not directly saying the pasuk says. We're, you know, we're like echoing a pasuk, as it were. Or to use it as a flowery language of a kish. Of a if you're writing it and let's say you're writing a letter and you want to say you know just like the Pasuk says and then you're going to quote the Pasuk then then you can't write it without scoring so that's the quote then Joseph says I don't get it all the commentaries we write if we're writing a commentary on the Torah we're writing a commentary on the Gemara like if I actually quote psukin, as part of my discussion I'm telling you I don't do scoring squ- how am I allowed to do that without the scoring? So it's an actual interesting question of like how we satisfy, you know, that requirement of doing the scoring. And actually, it's, unfortunately, Michael wasn't here because he raised the question about, you know, is the opinion earlier that you have to quote the middle of the pasuk, a problem of po- called pasuk below paske moshe, you're not supposed to split a pasuk. So Rabbi Says Yosef has asked a question like about that, about like, are you allowed to, this isn't the same, but it's, it's parallel to this question of quoting pasukim, do you have to do scoring? If we're having a conversation and I'm quoting a pasuk, and you know, when I say, "Well, what do you mean?" It says like Was I allowed to do that? Because I didn't quote the whole pasuk. I maybe had to say, "Doesn't it say?" Vayom Vayom like, when we, you know, when we quote psukim, we quote parts of psukim. Um, and are you allowed also to like? Uh, Say uh, you know, uh, shame Hashem if you're quoting only a partial pasuk or whatever. So the Ravad Yosef has all tshuva about this, and he says all you have to do is read the Gemara to see that the Gemara is quoting partial Psukim with Shem Hashem, and it's not a problem. So basically, he says the idea of Kol Pasatul Moshe does not prohibit that. That more sort of speaks about you, reading a pasuk in a type of a ritual context, which might have been the, similar to the case about
1: right. Might have been
0: similar to the case about the Megillat sotah. That was an actual ritual context that might that might be the restriction that you can't do a partial pasuk, but in a type of a conversation learning and so on you would not have that restriction but ptosis is still bothered but where's the sirtu and he's going to leave it as a question yes yeah.
1: I always thought that much of the correspondence of the of